Welcome back to Crew Shaken. And I say welcome back after a long hiatus. Crew Shaken, a Warhammer 40,000 tabletop wargaming podcast recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and its surrounding war zones. This is episode 37. We are all excited to be here. And by we, I mean, as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Lavelle and Carlo. Welcome back, gentlemen. It's good to be here. Hey, guys. Uh, so, Lavelle, you brought up short stories. I have to admit that in, since the last time we recorded, which was over a year ago, I have been really remiss in keeping up with my Black Library reading. Uh, you know me, the listeners know me. I'm like a super keen collector of the books and like keeping up with the lore and everything. But I have not turned the page on a Black Library novel in quite a while. I got into reading like this like 60s, 70s and 80s sci-fi stuff like um, Gene Wolfe. I reread a bunch of Gene Wolfe books and Ursula K. Le Guin and, and that stuff. And I have not I have not made time to dig back into uh, Black Library. Tim, have you read any Octavia Butler? I do not know who that is. Uh, Octavia Butler is an African-American sci-fi author, and her work is phenomenal. Her work is phenomenal. And the first book that I was introduced to was um, Wild Seed. Well, and it's part of a series, a little short series she has called Pattern Master. But I, I, I can Wild Seed was just incredible. I, I would say read Wild Seed, but any of her books, any of her books are really, really good. Can you give us like a, without <laughs> spoiling anything, a little introduction to Wild Seed maybe? Yeah, so like in just- Wild Seed, there are some people who are born with different abilities. And so this spans time because these people, uh, the two main characters appear to be effectively immortal or at least very, very, very long lived. Um, and they introduced like the main carrier character. One of the main characters is a guy named Doro. And I'm not spoiling it by saying Doro's ability was he, his, he jumps from body to body. When he jumps into your body, you die. And he controls huge populations of people. He just roll into town. He'd be looking like a, a little girl, a little boy. And he say, hey, okay, listen, I'm running this now. And I said, no, you're not. And then he jumped to the next time and he goes to the entire town because he can do it just instantly. And he, he absorbs their life force and they die. And he said, I could do this all day. And they're like, OK, 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 OK. But it's a really, really it, even though, you know, you're talking about that power. But as you go on, it's a really, really involved story. That's really good. There, the other story. The short story that I also read that was that blew my mind was there was some sort of pandemic that uh, that spanned the world. And what it did was it it destroyed the portion of people's brains that allowed them to communicate, that allowed them to either speak or receive speech, that translation piece. And it talked about how it fragmented the world because nobody could trust anybody. That sounds really cool. Wow. Yeah, it was it, that was really good. But if you read any of her books, they are um, they're not long reads. They have a lot like Parable of the Sour. I think they're they're getting ready to do a movie of that or a TV series or a Netflix something. Um, and Parable of the Sour is about a woman in modern times that keeps getting transported back to slave times. And she doesn't know why. And, um, you know, just that stark reality, you know. Uh, independent woman finding herself in the slaves and like, well, yeah, I'm not going for this. And all the straw, it was really, really good. But all of her books are really good as pure science fiction pieces. They're really good. And she's contemporary. She's still writing. 
Uh, she has passed away. She, oh, she passed has. away a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, but she's really, really good. You know, I always look when I look at sci-fi, I look for Hugo Award winners because I've never really read a bad Hugo Award book. And it, <laughs> it, it was pretty good. I, I would really recommend that. Good call. I want to talk about, <clears throat> since I think I may have, I, I took a time to make a list. I've been reading a lot of Black Library. What have you read? Um, um, it's a lot. Here we go. I finished the second book of Regent's Shadow. <clears throat> which is a, it's the story of the um, Alea, and I can't remember the show captain's name. That second book, I, I went back and I reread that because I knew Custodes was coming back out. I wanted to get myself in there. The Carrion Throne, yeah, great which book. is another kind of Custodes story set on Earth. I read, I finally got around to reading Blackstone Fortress, book number one. Mm. It wasn't everything that I hoped it would be, but it was still a good book. I read uh, Indomin the, Indomin the Indominus book. I finally got to that. My son told me to read Dark Imperium book one with Gilliman and, and Nurgle. That was good. I'm, I'm going down. When I go down my list, I'm going in order. But now there are two <clears throat> Necron books. One was The Div Infinite and the Divine that just cracked me up. And that was a great Necron book. And one of the things about it is it showed the power of chronomancy which is one of their, their, their areas of science. And it's their ability to manipulate time, which was pretty good. But the one that I just read, and it, I'm hoping it is a series, The Twice Dead King, and the first book in that is Ruin, and it's pretty, pretty good. It was a Necron story. And what I, you know, I love the Necrons, but one of the things that that gave me was a little bit deeper history of the Necrons and how they plan and, you know, they wage wars over a millennium not years and so and you can when you're not dying but it was it was a pretty good book those are the books that i've been reading i've been doing a lot of reading i'm still doing a, a significant amount of travel so that's kind of giving me the time to read what about anybody else I'm, I'm looking at the twice dead king now which yes is part of the ruin series nate crowley he must be one of the newer black library authors too that's interesting because like um uh Dar Dar darius darius hinks who wrote um Blackstone Fortress. He's like one of the new, like new faces at Black Library as well. Well, not super new anymore, but but these are like the uh, you know the young guns that they brought in over there to tell some of these stories. Every Necron novel that I've read, I've enjoyed because they're very they're more they're a lot more characterful than they come across in their codices. You know, they're in the mm -hmm. like right. when you think of Necrons, you don't think of them having a sense of humor or having like petty jealousies or like all this other very human traits, but they've still, they've maintained and fostered some of those super, you know, some of those very human traits in their leadership at least. And they are, some of them are really just crazy, crazy people, crazy long dead people, right? right. <laughs> they were crazy before they became Necrons. <laughs> yeah. And a couple billion years of slumber and, and reawakening and reanimation will, uh, it definitely loosens some bolts in the old cranium. So there's some really like, funny characters in uh, the Necron lore. Like us coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, one of the things is you get to see their interactions with other races that you don't really think about. Um, they have a lot of subjugated races. Many races are subjugated by them and they don't even know. They, they don't even know. And, and um, I think it might've been the infinite and divine. At one point they're on a planet and there's a gene still a cult uprising. And they're like, oh, well, we'll let just, we'll just let this play out. <laughs> this isn't us. You know, let, let's see, let's see what happens. 
Totally. Um, Carlo, any reading uh, from your side of things? Uh, I don't know. To quote Gallivant, words are for morons who are too stupid to understand pictures. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been, uh, I've been going back to school. I've been taking a couple, two classes a semester uh, cool. trying to get some uh, while working. So it's been hard to really enjoy anything uh, outside of that, including Warhammer. So like now... I'm starting to get a few gains back in. Um, I've been trying to read the rule book. I guess that was my my read for the <laughs> for the semester yeah. extracurricular reading. Um, that, hey, Carlo, uh, Carlo, uh, when you read the rule book, do you ever come across anything say that makes you say, "I didn't know that"? <laughs> Is all that the time. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially coming from eighth to ninth. Like um, I think when we started the pandemic eighth was finishing up right so right. ninth came out i got maybe three games in since the start of 2020 i think i could track right so all those terrain rules uh like breachable mm -hmm. like you know obscured stuff like that i'm still learning um anything like i didn't know you couldn't charge through walls anymore unless it were was breachable terrain and this is breachable right? yep yeah so uh little things like that um and then just like some of the uh, some of the um, like little niche rules that have changed, um, you know, like the little movement rules, engagement range is now mm -hmm. a new thing, right? I mean, obviously not new for listeners who've been playing for two years, but for us, yeah, <laughs> I hey, think so. Carlo, I have something for you. I'm going to get it to you. The Basement Wargamers, you know, one of my the clubs I'm with, they have this, you know, every when the um, the table size shrunk. They have these uh, outlines that you put around it to make it the right size because everybody had six by four. And the upper end of that is like a, um, you know, a neoprene mat. And on that neoprene mat are all the terrain rules. And oh, so, wow. you, yeah, so you don't have to go back and forth to the book. It's very, very good. And you say, OK, we're going to play this as ruins. And then you go over here on this mat and it says ruins are breachable, blah, blah, blah. It'll give you the stats for ruins and then how each one affects it is in another section all on this one neoprene mat it's it's been very very useful and it allows you instead of stopping to read the book to look right up there and then plan your next move out i'll get you that i have it i would love that thank you is it is that like so, it's like an overlay on top of the table sorry to interrupt on top you know. of the table it is and when you overlay it on top of the table it takes a six by four mm -hmm. and it makes it the exact size that you need hmm. and Who's did they have those did they have those it? made they did have those made they did have those made. I think I'm not 100% sure frontline gaming may have it, mm. but since I have a set and I hardly ever use it, Carlo, you're welcome to it. Oh, I'll take you up on that. Thank you. Yeah. So Tim, what about you? Games played? So, so no, no games played since we last recorded. Unfortunately, it's been, you know, the, uh, I'll give a quick pandemic recap. Um, 2021 was like my busiest year ever for business because mm -hmm. people were consuming so much content the production business was just just banging busy and my role in post-production was just i was slammed the entire year 
which was wonderful for so many reasons, but it was it was extremely intense, especially last uh, summer and uh, last fall. I got involved with a, a podcast for kids that was like wildly successful and had me busy for most of last summer. Continued to work in these reality TV shows and still doing a lot of commercial and you know corporate video kind of work and trying to keep up with my own. I had a very strict release schedule, putting out my own music into the world, and that unfortunately had to fall by the wayside just because I simply that's sort of a loss leader for me, but I, I just couldn't just couldn't keep up with it. So for me, uh, hobby and 40K wise specifically, I was able to do some painting, uh, which was wonderful. That massive orc army, most of which I received from our friends at Basement Wargaming, um, uh, is completely finished and I spent way too much time on it. I mean, there's there's a lot of work put into those orcs. So I'm really, and it's all old school orcs. There's none of the new stuff in there. I have the new orc codex right here and I need to like refresh that army, unfortunately, but I don't really feel like painting any more green skin and anything. So I'm going to take a breather and just treat it like a vintage orc army. Um, finished the orcs. I've been painting really, I had playable iron jaws for AOS, but now I'm going back into what was like tabletop ready and like adding all the little details to really kick that one up a notch. That's just about finished. And then I hope I had mentioned last time we recorded, I had uh, snapped all of my old school space Marines off their bases in with an eye on, you know, totally redoing my iron hands as a Primaris army. So I have several Primaris vehicles built. I have a huge selection of, of the space Marines and all manner of armor. I was able to pick up a couple of the half boxed sets that had come out in the last couple of years, you know, um, so I have this primed and ready to go huge. I don't know, it's a couple thousand points of Space Marines ready to go. Um, and they are Primaris. All Primaris. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge Iron um, Iron Hands Primaris army. So I have yet to get into them because I want to finish this Iron this Iron Jaws thing up, put that aside, and then dig back into those um, Iron Hands Space Marines and then do Emperor's Children, right? eventually yeah i'm not i'm not gonna do it i'm unless so i've i've been trying to follow some of the rumors about what they're going to do with heresy armies like with 30k and until that's like set in stone and until like i know what like the next gen of 30k is going to look like i'm not going to dabble in it i've decided i'm going to if i'm going to pick up anything new or restart anything that i haven't played in a while it'll be infinity because i have such fond memories of my last couple of infinity games and i have bought the new um I forget what they're called, but the new rule books, N4, N5. N4, N4. N4, N4, yeah. So I bought the new N4 books. I, they're sitting on my nightstand. I haven't read them yet, but I'm stoked. For whatever reason, I'm just kind of stoked about Infinity more than I am for 30K at this point. Okay, listen. Buckle up, kids. I have been playing enough for all three of us. <laughs> I have been playing enough for all three of us. And I have some reports to make. Um, first of all, um, Tim, I want to back up and say two things. Tim, I agree. I don't know why um, the pandemic for that entire period of time, I have made more money um, because I never stopped working. I never stopped working and it was a lot of opportunity. But I have to give a shout out to Tim. Tim took time out. My, my daughter, my youngest child, is graduating from high school this year. Tim took time out to talk to her about music production and 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 his career and it really because i thought it hurt i thought we i didn't know what she was doing i didn't know where that was going i said hey you make money doing that but tim broke it down he took a lot of time out and 
It has been incredible. It cost me the price of buying her a new MacBook. Thank you, Tim. But um, <laughs> um, it's been really, really good. She's been really, really excited. And really, this is the key thing, especially when you talk about a high schooler, really, really focused. And I thank Tim for that effort. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. So now, here is what I have been doing. First of all, I have played so many games of ninth edition. You think I know all the rules by now, but I don't. <laughs> I played pretty much, um, <clears throat> I, I would say I've, I've gotten two to three games in a month. Um, I do want to say this. One of the things is lately I have been paying a couple of games here and there, but I've been playing games at only onslaught level. So they're huge games. And so I played my Sisters of Battle because, you know, I prob I'm probably sitting on about no judgment, please. I'm sitting on about five or six thousand points of uh, Sisters of Battle, all built and painted. And I played that in different ways. It's been good. I played back to back to 2,500, uh, one 3,000 to 2,500 point games with my AdMech army. It's been awesome. Um, and I'm going to talk about the onslaught level in a minute. And then I've also played uh, um, three games with Necrons um, at the 5,000 point level. And some I was playing at Palladium. That's my it's the closest shop to my house. And I noticed that two people came in. I was playing on Sunday morning and two people came in and said, hey, weren't you playing Necrons last week? Yeah, I was. But none of these models are the same. That really made me feel kind of funny. The only models <laughs> on the table that were the same from week to week to week was the Silent King. And I was like, yeah, well, maybe. Maybe I do have too many models. This is my blue Necron army. <laughs> right. This is my green Necron army. <laughs> right. So it was, is it was, go ahead, Carl. I wanted to ask is all, are all of your Necrons painted uniformly or are they different colors for different, like, I don't even know what the. Okay. So term right, would be I, in Necron. Like different I have my, different dynasties. I, I play yeah. a custom yeah. dynasty. All of, I would say I probably have 15,000 points all painted the same color. And because I was an old school Necron player, all of these are the newer models. My older models are played in or have a different color, and I probably only have about 3,500 points of those. But oh, wow. that gets me into this other thing. I have 3,000, you know, I still have my custodies. I have not played <clears throat> a game with the custodies yet. I have my 3,000 point list. I'm probably doing something over the next few weeks, but I'm still studying the book. Their custodies are at the top of the charts and I just can't get it. I, I, I can't figure out how they work yet. So um, I'm still studying that. Now, I, I am also in a slow grow 40K. Um, you guys can see this. Third edition. Whoa. So I'm playing in a, wow, a 30K, a 40K third edition league. So we're playing with the third edition rules. Now, when I, when they did, they made the decision, a couple of guys wanted to do that and I got together and I bought my third edition books. I still have the third edition rule books. And, you know, I'm, <laughs> it's so funny. You're playing that, I'm playing that game. I'm like, well, don't I got to reroll someplace? No, there were no, <laughs> there were no command points. <laughs> so I'm like, well, how do we play this? <laughs> but I've been in this third edition with my Necrons, and you know it's been funny. I find I can in third edition I complained about my Necrons, but now they're so overpowered <laughs> in third edition. They just keep coming back, keep coming back. Every he said, well, "What happens? They just stay there, and I get to re-roll them, and then they attach to the ne next unit." He said, "How is that fair?" Don't question the rules, buddy. The <laughs> don't question the rules. It's written right here. 
Do you, do you um, feel like it's hard to like keep the rules segregated in terms of like not mixing up ninth edition rules with third edition rules while so, you're playing so many games? Like so this is what I did discover in third edition, fourth edition. I knew the rules. Now that I'm in ninth edition. I don't remember any of these rules. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> it's like a delete file has occurred, and I'm like, wait, what? How does this work? What's a template? <laughs> so, so that oh, that's one of yeah. the things. I forgot yeah. about templates. Roll for deviation. Ooh. I'm like, what? What was this? In terms of, um, in addition to that, I have gotten a number of games in with NAOS. I have a, a significant Seraphine army. And, um, you know, they there are a lot of moving parts with that army. But I've been playing that army. And I haven't played a lot of games in AOS. But it's I played enough. And I'm really, really enjoying it. You know, you mentioned something. Tim, I got invited to a 30K um, uh, league, and they're, they're, they're starting to play 30K. I said I participate. I haven't played yet because I don't have the rules, but I, I'm going into 30K with my Sisters of Silence and my um, my uh, custodies, but I haven't pl- actually played a 30K game. So, Tim, as soon as we get the time and our seg- segments can sync, our time can sync up, I really would like to get those orcs of yours on the table yeah let's and do an that, onslaught yeah. game i'm gonna tell you something when you go from twenty two thousand to three thousand points there's a couple of things you're not going to go in a tournament and play at that level because it's just too long but it is not as long as you think it would be um for example um i i, I would say two and a half hours is what two and a half hour after two and a half hours for the most part you can stop playing you know where the game is going um, back to third edition for a little bit. One of the rules that really I, I kind of miss is you know how we roll morale and then we remove models. And, but the, in the in third edition, the models will start heading to the table edge. And once one model made it to the table edge, they got they were removed. The, the unit was removed from the table. But if the oh, model, yeah. if the unit was over 50 percent or you could get some character closer to them, they could make a rally roll each one of their turns. So maybe they're running away and they could come back. Right. And they, I had forgotten all about that rule. Did we have sweeping advances in third? Uh, we must have. But you still have to catch them. And so, like you roll for your sweeping advance and they're, right. and they're, I think they're rolling to fall back. And if you don't catch them, like if you move six inches, but they move away eight inches, then yeah. you didn't catch them. And you only get one chance to sweeping advance. And That's I think, pretty cool. yeah, I think if the unit, uh, don't quote me on this. If the, the the unit is above 50% and you re-engage them, most, most, uh, most units will then rally and fight you. And then they're back in the game. So it's to your advantage to just ignore them. Lavelle, how many rules, like if you pulled out the third edition rule book right now, like, do you think you could find a few rules that are, like just we're just like antiquities in our perspective now but back then like like i feel like from like death or glory i don't know if you remember that rule yep where your dude would just stand in front of a tank with a grenade and he had like a fit like it was like a one in six chance of like right actually killing it. <laughs> yeah but that was but, like I, that was a sick rule i wish that rule still existed in the game to be honest you know what other rule that i would i uh in third edition vehicles were far more resilient because I was shooting the crap out of this Chimera. He won the game with a Chimera parked on an objective. I just could not get rid of it. Every time I did a glancing blow, remember those? Oh, he would yeah, just yeah. roll, roll, crew shake it. 
here we go. Crew uh, shaking. Yes, and I was yes. like, <laughs> our namesake rule. I was like, I, I never thought I'd hate crew shaking this much <laughs> because they're shaking, but they don't go away. Um, Just like the, us. The other thing about 40K is I have most of these large games. I am not playing, um, um, I guess, competitive rules. I have been playing using the open war format, mm. right? Because I got to tell you something to this day. I've been playing a lot of 40 gay 40 K games. I still suck at secondaries. I, I cannot get them. They're, they're hard to keep track. I mean, it's like, you got to learn all new secondaries when the grand tournament book comes out. Right. And then you have to be effective at not only scoring your own, but preventing your enemy from scoring theirs. So it's like it's almost more important than primary. Like primaries are kind of, I think, almost the secondary of the game, and secondaries are really what the game's scored around now, right? Yeah. And that's in my limited experience, of course. But um, for instance, like I played a game against uh, my first kind of reintroduction to competitive gaming um, was with actually one of our listeners, Peter Soretti. Um, he's in a league with me that Sasha's hosting. It's a competitive 40k league. So we're doing um there's about man, if I had to guess, I'd say there's about like 12 people in it, maybe a couple more or less. Um, and then every week we get paired based on our our standing um and figure out a way to have our game. It's every two weeks, right? So uh Peter was my first opponent. I'm playing my Tau with the new Codex. He's playing Space Wolves, which is kind of ironic because they're my main army, right? So I actually went into the game knowing almost all the Space Wolf rules, but very little of ninth edition rules and my Tau rules. So like Peter was like super, um, super nice about kind of like like helping me get through the game. It was like a struggle for <laughs> for real, and I'm sure I like screwed up a bunch of rules. Um, but, uh, he ended up, um, we ended up with a score of like 96 to 56. Right. And, uh, Peter had won. And a a lot of that was like, I had like, I think more killing power during the game. Right. Like I kind of like was able to systematically destroy each of his units, but he had much better strategic play. He had control of his half of the board, almost the entire game. So he was at least owning half of the primary objectives we played the six is i think it was like mission 11 where you have six uh primary objective markers on the board and he had control at least of three of his i had control three of mine but i because i had fewer units i had to step off one of mine at during one turn to move up the board a little bit so he ended up outscoring me on primary initially and then he just chose way better secondaries and like really focused on playing those. So even though he wasn't really f- as focused on killing me the whole game, and I'm sure, you know, if anybody listens to 40k podcasts or um, plays a lot of 40k right now, they already know this. But it's like, like so much of the game is played around just movement and, you know, focusing on those those objectives rather than killing at this point, which was almost a complete opposite. An eighth, I felt like an eighth. It was just you know you were going to wipe your opponent off the board, and that was it. I don't know if you That's guys right. remember that being the case. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, Car- Carlo, you can't win now just by tabling your opponent unless you have enough time left in the overall game to uh, score objectives. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So I think you get to actually. 
I'm not totally confident 100% on that rule, so don't quote me on this, but I feel like you play out the rest of the game depending on who's running the tournament. So oh. if, like, if you table your opponent by turn three, then you would like theoretically play out turns four and five by moving and scoring objectives. Um, but I don't know if that's the case. But, so. you know, even so, it, it, I, I, let's just assume that that's correct because I think it is. Even so, if you chose the wrong secondaries, even with primaries, because you're capped at the number of points you can get at primaries, your opponent can still have positioned themselves at the end of the third game. You tabled them. But they've scored enough points that you can't catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would be good for us to have an episode where we get maybe a panel to talk to our us and our mainly us and our listeners about uh, secondaries and choosing them. I was in a tournament early uh, with Sasha. And Sasha, Sasha is a great player to play against either in a tournament or just in a friendly game. But I told Sasha at the beginning, hey, I, I really struggle with um, objectives. Can you help me out? And he says, absolutely. And he helped me pick the objectives, um, the secondaries. That's what I meant. The secondary. He helped me pick the secondaries that I should be looking at. But he also helped me understand that my secondaries are going to adjust based on the army that I'm the my opponent's armies. So I, I think uh, just a general discussion about how do you pick secondaries and things to consider. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That'll speak to the fact that we do want to try to get more guests on our show in this new season that we're launching with this uh, this, this uh, re-engineered, rebirthing episode that our listeners are currently enjoying. So, so, Carlo, based on what you're saying, I think the time has come where I can throw away my Grand Tournament 2020 book. Is that correct? Um, I think so, yeah. I mean... <laughs> How, are you not a uh, collector of 40k uh, soft cover and hardcover books? So, so it's funny you mentioned my collection <laughs> of things in the basement, right? So throughout the pandemic, I've had to thin down my collection. I had a whole collection of all the old um, rule books, all my Black Library, my Horace Heresy novels, right? I had that massive collection of all of the Horace Heresy novels, right? I had to start making room because my wife has started uh, collecting things. For the first time ever, Christina Say has no a, more. No, Christina has, no, I'm, I'm really into it because she's not a collector of things right outside of what she does for work. But she's been collecting um, very specific jigsaw puzzle series. So on my gaming shelves now, I had to make some room, which I was fine to do. You know, they were just sitting down there. What am I doing with all with like 60 Horace Heresy novels? Right. <laughs> so I got rid of a bunch of Horace Heresy novels, got a, but a rid of a bunch of old codexes and rule books that I had read once, but I'm never going to read them again and have been putting into place these jigsaw puzzles. So part of that is like, okay, I want to try to keep my 40K book collection current, modern, and thin down to just what I can play right now, right? So to answer your question more directly, I don't think I need to collect the, like the tournament rule book from 2020 as a real thing, right? I just, I can, I've started to consider these just very expensive magazines, you know, yeah, if, I think I, if, I, the only... if I read it once, I can kind of, okay. <laughs> well, I think the only advantage to keeping those would be that you get to play any of those missions at any given point if you wanted to for a friendly game. But we never, yeah. ever end up doing that. So for a friendly game, I'm like Lavelle. Like I'd rather break out the open war deck and, and just play right. play that way. Cause yeah. it's, it's fun to have everything decided by chance like that. I think that's interesting. I actually, I mistakenly bought two open war decks. So we're going to have a contest on the show at some point and we'll give away an open war deck yeah. to a listener. <laughs> but Timothy, Timothy day, you have expressed your superiority to me because I cannot bring myself to purge <laughs> i don't know why and then when we started this third edition league i was like wait i have your codex <laughs> third edition <laughs> you know and it was like this is it my time has come 
<laughs> but you know, I cannot bring myself to purge. Yes. Yeah. So that brings me up to my next point is like, at some point, Lavelle, I need to see your hobby set up. You've seen it. I'm imagining. I've not been to your house before. No. Have you seen I... Indiana Jones? <laughs> at the end when they got the ball? <laughs> that, that's what it look, looks like. You've seen it. Everybody's seen it. That's what it's look. I go in my basement and I find a, a clear place to stand and I just look around and scan. Scan. I know it's here. Blue box. Blue. Wait, is that it? Now make my way over there and uncover things. No, 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 no. It's it's like an ancient archive. That's one of my dreams, though. To build a huge library just for it. It's, I, I, you know, I want to skip ahead to hobby. Yeah. Storage. I, I, I feel like I'm on my way in the storage capacity. I've got these Tupperware bins, right? And I've got the models in it. And then I fill it with popcorn and then I just label the box. And so now I can go Necron, Necron. Okay, this box, this huge bin is filled with destroyers. This box is filled with canoptic units. And, and then I have these Felder here box and I got labels all over the place, but I'm, I, I got a long way to go. So, so you think just kind of free floating in the packing peanuts is better than putting them in those like uh, pre-configured foam trays? Like so, it it depends on the size of the unit. I have uh, the the boxes with the foam trays for like my troops and and things like that. But when you talk about something like a doom stalker, a big unit like that, it's you know you can't really. And then I have so many scarab swarms. I just have them layered on the bottom of it. A popcorn, uh, not popcorn. The you know the little poppy plastic sheets, and then more. It's just you know it's just easy. I mean, and those boxes now I usually relegate to when I'm pulling units out under my dining room table right now. There's three thousand points of a, a canoptic army and a big a Tupperware tray. I, I was going someplace. I was playing. I was planning a game that I obviously didn't play. <laughs> Do you play a lot of games like against yourself normally? Like when you're home that alone. Would, that Never. would be. I, I, I like 40k games. I got other yeah, games yeah. That I play like that. No, I haven't played a 40k game myself. Okay, because I know like one of our friends, um, Grant, who mm-hmm. I know Grant. Uh, he and Andrea, his wife, had a baby in you know August, so he's been trying to isolate a little bit because of the you know what's mm-hmm. going on and everything and other worries that you know like RSV and stuff like that uh, they have to worry about. So he's been playing a lot of games. He has you know two or three armies, and he plays games against himself. So he does a lot of practice games there, learning a lot. So I was wondering like how many people do that because it's something we brought up on the show before. And it's something I've always thought would be fun if if I had the space for it and I could leave it kind of set up. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, living in Philly, it doesn't allow you a lot of room. So, um, but I don't know if you guys ever tried that. L- Lavelle, obviously you said you had it. I don't know if Tim, do you ever get to doing that at home or? Yeah. So in the last episode, I had shared, Lavelle had shared the revelation of having a dedicated table for single player board games. Because some of them, you know, like a really good single player board game does take a big investment in time to set up and to, you know, to get involved with. Right. So I have done that throughout the pandemic of playing um, Mage Knight, which is a, a really good, big, like sword and sorcery kind of board game. But I left that set up on the table in the basement. And I got in several games, single player games in that way, which was awesome. In terms of 40K, I've never done solo 40K. Um, I could certainly see the value of it. It's like playing, you know, one player chess. You know, if you play your best game on both sides, you'll, you know, you're going to find ways to challenge the situation and challenge your knowledge of the game, et cetera. So I, I could see value in it. Hey, Tim, 
and Carla, wasn't there uh, maybe a white dwarf that talked about solo play? Uh, maybe there was a, a, a engine that they put in there for the enemy's units or something like that. I, I seem to remember that. I you know, vaguely I think, remember. I, I think like you're right. That. There was like some kind of dice mechanic they had built to like do like an AI kind of a thing. Right. That'd be interesting. I'm going to see if I can dig that up. Because hey, if, if, if I could go back, I'm on a... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to post to our Instagram a couple of uh, pictures of my storage um, so you can people can see when I talk about it. The, the, the issue is when you have so many armies like I do, you got to storm separately and you got to be able to go to the Necron army, the Stormcast army, et cetera, et cetera. And then you got to be able to build an army out of that and then pack that army to go play. I mean, if I'm going to play a game on, a, on next Sunday, on Monday, I better start building the army because by Wednesday, I got to start compiling the models. That's an operation right there. It is an operation. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you determine like which models you keep on display? Since you have like you got to have a lot of favorites, right? I feel like the more models you get, the more favorites you get. So like, what do you do you put anything on display or do you pack everything away? So I have, I think, 10 of those Ikea display cabinets. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I've got one upstairs and the most of them are downstairs. Before, um, I, I've, it's, it's the beauty of the model. The, the Silent King model is so beautiful. It's so beautiful that it that has to stay out. And then the, um, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's the beauty of, you can't put a Necron Overlord in a box. I mean, come on, please. He's, he's gonna that be would salty. Just, that would just be disrespectful. And so it depends on that and it depends on the game. I would not put an inquisitor in the box either. I mean, because I respect the Inquisition. So those those you are don't generally wake up in the middle of the night and like all That's your minions right. are like standing on top of your chest, like right. What's up, Lavelle? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I use be like, um, I didn't do anything. Innocence proves nothing. <laughs> When I when I finished painting my Stampa, which I had originally planned on magnetizing the backpack, you know, the big like smokestack thing on his back mm -hmm. and both of those huge arms, right? I had tried to magnetize it, but those damn arms are so heavy that even my largest, you know, my largest magnets, you know, I'd gone through the process of like melting the plastic and doing the whole green stuff, getting them in the right spot, everything. But no matter what, they were just like super weird and floppy. So I wound up just gluing them in place. And I used uh, your trick, Lavelle, of a Sterlite container. Mm -hmm. with uh, foam peanuts so that's the only that's like the only non-battle foam cardboard box like in-home storage device that i have right now another pandemic win for me was not only getting rid of some stuff on my shelves but you know putting i had a lot of random foam around and just stuff you know between the home and where i paint my stuff at the studio it's like this is too random right so i did take the time and like organize everything and now i have like one box which has um one box for each army it's in some cases two or three boxes for each army of the battle foam uh, cardboard stackers because i can just put them on the shelves one on top of the other and they fit they fit pretty nicely in those wire racks that i have in the basement a small pandemic win but i was you know i'll take them where i can get take them. whatever you get yes, <laughs> take, right. get take whatever you can get yeah um i want to talk a little bit about um something you guys might not be aware of there are a number of 40k base box kind of board games that are that have been out and um 
I, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a, a, a troll uh, Barnes and Nobles quite often. I'm still, I still need to see the actual books, smell them and taste them. <laughs> right. So, you know, one of the things that I picked up was I have Space Marine Adventures. They came out with that Labyrinth of the Necrons. Great and game. that was a really yeah. good game. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have Rise of the Orcs. And that snuck into the Barnes and Nobles that I, I didn't. I went there and I was like, wait, 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 where'd this come from? Hmm. So uh, under Space Marine Adventures. But I also found two other games, um, Fire Team, and the other one's called Doomsday Countdown. I know nothing about these games other than I purchased them immediately. Because what generally happens is they're in there for a time and then it's hard to get. But they, um, I noticed that these games are, um, they're good in the 40K you know, universe, and they're easier for other people to pick up yeah. other non-miniature playing games, but they give a, a good feel. They do have nice miniatures in them, too. They do have nice miniatures. So I, I've gotten both of those games, and if you, if anybody is at near Barnes & Nobles, just go in and check them out and, and see uh, what they do. You, you guys know I play a lot of board games, and I really have a lot of respect for uh, Board Game Geek, the site, and the ratings that they give games and they get, they got pretty high ratings. So That's make sure you resource. check them out. Yeah. It's yeah. a terrific resource. Yeah. Um, another thing I started cleaning out of the basement was uh, board games that I played once and like, will never, never get, mm-hmm. like didn't know enough about it to teach somebody else how to play the game properly with me. So I, I sold a bunch of board games too. And I also wound up getting rid of a bunch of the, uh, I had taken advantage of the most recent kingdom death monster Kickstarter. Yeah. 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 So I'd sold, I had bought a bunch of the expansions. So I still have the core box that I'm probably never, ever going to open, but I, I sold some of the expansions just to make some room because I, I can't even crack open the main box yet, let alone like, you know, $600 worth of random expansion models. Hey, speak, are you guys, are either of you guys 3D printing yet or plan to? I, I want to talk about that. <laughs> I have a resin printer. Um, okay, that's a lie. Okay, I'm be honest with you. I kickstarted a resin, resin printer. printer. <laughs> <laughs> I kickstarted a resin printer. It has not arrived yet, um, and I have the cool, uh, the cleaning station, the curing station. I because I've been buying a lot of 3D printed printer print 3D printed models, and I've decided I'm going to go ahead and stick my 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 toe in that water. What I hope to do is to be able to print some really good terrain. I've seen a lot of terrain pieces um, out there, and that's that's really my objective there. That'd be amazing. Are you three D printing, Carlo? I am starting to think about it. I know it's steep from what I've been told, and actually, Peter, who I played the game with, was the one who really piqued my interest on it because I saw um, some. He had printed some things that I saw that were super high detailed and really like, you know, just something that could. Um, you could use to fill in your army, you know, if you wanted a specific, a different look to another model or mm-hmm. something like that, that you couldn't get before. Um, that like, I, I really like the quality that the 3d printing has now, because I know before it was, you could mm-hmm. see all those little lines that were layered into it. And that's really not the case anymore, uh, depending on what quality printer you get, especially with the resin printers. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was thinking about doing that, but I know he was saying, and other people have said to me that it is a very steep learning curve at first, right? Cause there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of maintenance and cleaning that goes into it as well. It can be a little bit messy. Um, so if, if I can have the time to really spend and like, 
in the same way that I attacked airbrushing, I felt like that was kind of a similar, I'm expecting the learning process to be similar to airbrushing where there's a lot of like maintenance and care for the equipment and try to avoid breaking little parts and stuff like that, you know, um, then I'd like to get into it. Cause there's actually a, I don't know if you remember Adam Friedman, but he shared yep. with me the Patreon of his friend Piper. Uh, the, the Patreon is called Piper makes, and she makes these really awesome Tau adjacent models uh stls mm -hmm. uh, that you can download and print your own models for and they also go through a store and they look like the i want to i i want to print some of them out even if i don't end up playing them because i already have a bunch of town models that you know i really don't need more crisis suits i have 18 of them but <laughs> the models are just so cool looking i'd love to kind of like put them in there and make like little special characters out of them or something like that hey can you guys see um, i know our viewers can't see it this was uh uh a Catan alternative that I didn't make. I actually purchased from somebody and it has to be cleaned up and painted and everything. But I like the idea, um, you know, GW rules doesn't allow you to play in any tournament with a 3D um, printed model, which is fine. That's their call to make. But I like the idea of being able to mix things up. I have a, um, I have a couple of uh, 3D printed models that are stands in for like um, the Nightbringer Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, that I play in, in friendly games, and um, I think there's a lot of, of value to be had for that. And what I, I was only marginally interested until GW banned it, and I said, "Oh, that must mean something there." <laughs> that so must mean it's now good. That, now that GW is kind of, they're like kind of intertwined with the ITC at this point, right? I think they've kind of made steps forward to mm -hmm. you know evolve themselves in that, which is a good thing. Like I think they're providing a lot of prize support now from what i've heard um and and with itc to not only like rtts but i think you could do um different leagues and stuff like that that they'll provide uh pr prize support to as well um but also that begs the question like are you gonna see because traditionally it was like if you go play at warhammer world don't bring a 3d printed model or a gw store but now that could extend to you know, if you're going to play an RTT tournament, don't bring a 3D printed model. Not that people catch or care about that at RTTs, but I, I don't know if that's eventually going to become a thing where you have to worry about, hey, hey, like, oh, I bought these. I bought a bunch of uh, cyclic ion blasters on Shapeways because you can't get them unless you buy. You get one per commander box, basically. It's like, what am I going to do? Buy 27 commander boxes? No. So is that something you think we're going to have to worry about in the future? Or? I think you I have to worry about that now. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think you can. I, I'm not 100%. I think the rule allows for you to put a piece onto a model. Um, but the model itself has to be a 3D. I think. But don't quote me on that one. Okay. But I, I think that. Yeah, I think that's the way that they're, they're definitely going. Yeah. Mo most games companies like that. If I could deviate a little bit and talk about you know, I, I, some other games, <laughs> other. So first thing I want to talk about is kill teams. Um, yeah. One of the things um, that uh, I, I've been, I've TO'd four tournaments in kill team. And surprisingly, I played exactly four games of kill team <laughs> because t the skill of TO and it's not the same as the skill of playing. Um, the last one was the kill team open in Baltimore, Maryland, which was pretty good. I think we had 60 players and that made us the largest kill team organized event in the world. That's Spain awesome. just, yeah, Spain just announced a hundred players. 
Um, I do. I do like kill teams. Has it ever do you play kill teams? Yes. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's it scratches a different itch. It scratches a different itch. And I I would tell and the, the game is not that long. You you don't need that many models. And if you are already playing 40K, you probably already have all the models you need. So what would you say an average length of game is? This is about 40 minutes, I think I remember it being, or an hour? Um, I, I, listen, once you start playing, it's probably 40 minutes to an hour. There yeah. are some setup things. If you and I get together and play a kill team game, we can probably play in an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It is supposed to be designed so you could play over a lunch break. But there's some startup, like pre, pre-game things that have to occur. But it, it can absolutely happen. You can get a kill team game in. And it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty good. In the tournament, we were running two-hour matches. I think it was two hours. But there's a lot of things that go on before that in that, in that two-hour mix that it's not the actual game. Last time we were at, last time we were at Nova, you know, way back in the day now, pre-pandemic, you know, I remember really enjoying all the kill team I was able to get in at Nova. That was great. Oh, speaking Tim, of Nova, hold on, hold on one second, Carl. Tim, if you like kill team, then you're going to love it now. Yeah, it's the even, rules it's have better, been streamlined, yeah. and yeah, it's really, really good. I need to get the latest rule book. I haven't been keeping up with that side of things either. Yeah, I did one of, another pandemic victory for me was to completely I painted the hell out of my Rogue Trader box. Okay, cool. So I have one 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 sheet of battle foam now with just all that random kill team rogue trader stuff, which I don't know. I don't know if anybody still plays rogue trader style kill team anymore, but it is it is a cool like alternate, you know, kill team adjacent way to do a game. It's cool. What were you gonna say about it? Go ahead, Carlo. Oh Nova yeah. Open. So Nova, 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 Nova. I can't wait. You guys going this year? I feel compelled. Yeah, it's on the calendar for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Compelled to go to, to. Nova. Mm-hmm. Nova, so, um, I missed that more than anything else. Yeah, that begs the question: Are we going to do a trios team? Have they announced there will be trios? Uh, maybe. So uh, mid March, we're supposed to get some kind of schedule, and then April second is the day that the store opens up, and then that's when the website will crash and burn, as <laughs> right. it always does. I mean, I'm expecting it, but you know. Uh, it's it's almost like tradition now, yeah. You know? So if it doesn't, I'll actually be upset. That's right. Be, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? Come on, guys. Are we gonna do it? I, this I, just I, a, if there is one. If it's there, we, we should do, do it. it. Yeah. If it's there, we should do it. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. We had a ball last time we did the trios. Yeah, it was great. All right, we're in. We gotta just figure out what we're gonna play. To that end, I want to say, Tim, unlike you, I have three thousand points of Primaris Space Marines, still all new in the box because i can't pick a chapter mm. i can't pick a chapter i, I don't know I'm, i really struggle i've got every book sometimes i lay them out on my living room floor and try to see which one i like i just cannot pick a chapter yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because last time i was at the studio i was looking at that you know the primed primaris for us and i was thinking you know maybe maybe I, you know i haven't been keeping up with like what iron hands are in this edition really but maybe that's not the way to go Right, maybe I should look at, at picking a different, you know, different chapter to do to paint them up in. Carlo, you can you guide us? I was going to say, how often do you select? Now, for me, I always play the traditional dynasty sept whatever that exists. I've never experimented with taking the the custom rules and making my own chapter. But maybe that this might be a good opportunity for that. So for Necrons, I always custom chapter. Um, but that maybe that's something to think about there. 
That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But you know, I, I've also I'm also you know trolling the white dwarfs because occasionally they'll put a new chapter in there, and so I've got those, and I look at that and say, "This is crap." <laughs> Why not yeah. just buy? It? How many chapters are there? I mean, something like that. I don't listen, know. I think just by the that rules, many the, <laughs> God, just get them. the rules state that if you paint your army as ultramarines, you have to play them as ultramarines. But if you play them, if you paint them in a generic or custom color, you don't you're not locked in. Right. Then the world is your I'm, I'm thinking back to Joe's uh, Kingbreakers army, yeah, yeah. Joe Capina's army, which was a great example of a custom custom chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were usually salamanders, but if they he was having problems, you know, you could be facing anything. They were not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know we only have a couple minutes left in our time together. So can we just circle back to one of our favorite topics to talk about, which is uh, Army Creation Software? Has anybody been keeping up with their Warhammer software subscription from the 3K oh, yeah. app? Okay. So oh, it's, it is the best way to waste money in the world. So, so, so talk, talk to me about it, Lavelle, because I've just got the email that my Battle Subscribe subscription, you know, the annual fee for Battle Subscribe, I need to renew that. Or is it time for me to take the plunge into the, uh, the GW app? So I am all in right now with the, um, uh, you know, that what is it, Warhammer Plus. And that's just because I'm waiting for that Vindicare model. I know it was an expensive way to get that Vindicare model, but I wanted it. <laughs> right. But I got to tell you. I don't know how you could go on without Battle Scribe. Battle yeah. Scribe to me is the way to go because not go. only okay. not only can you do your 40k army, you could do a 30k army, you could do your AOS, you could do a Malifaux. Battle Scribe is still king. No way no no two ways about it. That's all I need to hear. I'll, I'll pull the trigger on my renewal today. Yeah, that's no great. No two yeah. ways about it. The thing that's nice about the Warhammer app is that I think it's like no matter what you're paying 5 bucks a month, right? I think to access it even for the right. Warhammer app. I, I uh, think that's you, what it is. Go but ahead. if you have a if you have a paper codex, you could there's a code that comes in the back of the book, and then you could put that into the app. Carlo, I think could, I'm I have that, but here's the deal: you can't do that, as far as I know, unless you subscribed. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Yep. So, yep. Which I I wouldn't if I was a listener, I wouldn't take us. I would take that with a grain of salt because I don't know if that's actually the case. I haven't tested it, but um, like that's frustrating to me. You know what I mean? I think especially now that they have, they don't even offer digital codexes anymore. Right. So right. I didn't know that. Well, wow. yeah. Well, you, you know, even one. though you put that code in that, you put the code in your Warhammer and uh -huh. you get the rules, you don't get the lore. The right. art or any of that. No, so, yeah. yeah, it would be different if you could go in and read a codex. But let me hear. Here's the other thing. I'm in a lot of high level, important business meetings. Okay. And Battle Scribe is nice and innocuous to allow you to build armies in the middle of that meeting because <laughs> people can't really tell what's going on. No graphics or anything. I'm just like, oh, he's got a sophisticated spreadsheet there. He must be calculating what we're talking about here. And I'm like, race or tomb spider? Let's see. Let's, let's drill down under this. Which psychic power is going to be best? And you're looking yes. thoughtful and you're sitting over your iPad or your tablet going, mm, or your phone. Like, oh, yeah. mm. And they're like, don't disturb him. He's doing important work. Right? I see a lot of important. There's a lot of important points I'm working on right now. Yes. That's right. Points. I cannot balance this. Uh, I have to work on this. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like a relic. 
Yeah, we got to put some strategies. <laughs> strategies. <laughs> you lean over to the person next to you. Excuse me. You like a melter or a heavy bolter? <laughs> what, what, are you, what are your thoughts here? Oh, sorry. Wrong meeting. Wrong meeting. Sorry. Wrong meeting. <laughs> yeah, so Battle Scribe is, you know, it is still a superior tool. Superior tool. That was episode 37 of Crew Shaken. Really good conversation uh, with my two 40K friends, Carlo and Lavelle, here again, as always. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time, which we promise will not be four or five years down the lane. For Crew Shaken, I have been Tim. I'm Lavelle. And I'm Carlo. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.